Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, good vibrations. Pretty sure you this heard is... before. So it's a classic. <laughs> I'm gonna guess. I'll allow it. <laughs> Welcome to Guardians of Lore. This is episode 33, recorded August 11th, 2019. We will be covering the Books of Sorrow, verse 5. And if you couldn't guess, I'm your host for the night. I am Elmist. This is Ivan. And this this is Ivan. All right. As far as podcast news goes, we encourage feedback. uh, And that can be sent to us via Twitter at guardians underscore lore. You can email us, guardians underscore lore at outlook.com. Or you can leave us a review wherever you find this podcast. Guys, on your kitchen floor, walking down the road on the sidewalk, wherever you might find it, pick it up and give it a listen. Under <laughs> your seat right now. Oh Everyone, look under your seats right now. But for real, somebody shoot us a review. We haven't had one since March. It's a lonely, lonely review page. I guess our quality is going down. So, right? I just stopped caring. Hey, hey. <laughs> I have the numbers. I can argue that. We're almost up to 3,500 listens. Yeah, that is kind of crazy. Mm, yeah. All right, all right. Considering we don't even have, like, this is episode 33. Which is old news then, so, you know. That means we're, we're averaging more than 100 per episode. That's pretty good. That's pretty awesome. That or our first episode is hitting so hard that it's offsetting everything else. I'm uh, <laughs> I doubt it. That wasn't a great episode. It was the best episode <laughs> of the series. So we're going to remaster All that episode. All downhill from here. We're going to remaster that episode and re-release it for our 100th. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. You guys have fun with that. <laughs> no, it'll be commentary um, on our first episode. Just be me being like, God, it's a good thing I'm on here. This sucks. <laughs> <sighs> it's actually gotten a lot more lively since you joined. We're off topic. Eh. <laughs> it's still podcast news. That's right. Guys, podcast news. We went to dinner. Not podcast news, but yeah. We had a ball. Actually, we had yeah. beef, but. <laughs> that was funny. Oh, God. <laughs> but anyway. Anyway. Uh, moving back on track. So. Next Friday, or this Friday, which, I mean, depending on when you this actually Friday. listen to this. You can't do um, next Friday, because they're listening to it on Tuesday, the earliest. Right. So, August 16th, that Friday, Hyven and myself will be uh, recording an episode with our friends Blue and Green over on Focus Fire Chat. Yep. We'll be covering uh, the lore book, Nothing Ends. Pretty excited for that. That happens to be one of my... Favorite oh, yeah. books going on, so I need to be rereading a lot of stuff for references and look forward to seeing how it all goes. Hopefully, we'll I'm sure we'll be con- in contact with them here in the next day or two and see how everything's going to roll. But uh, yeah, pretty exciting. So I'm I'm all excited, and we have Mrs. Hyven to thank for that. Woo-woo. I do something. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, yes. No, I'm really excited for you guys. Manage the Twitter. Um, yes, the Twitter. No, I'm very excited for you guys. Me and the pups will be 
evacuating the apartment to make sure that that goes uh, smoothly, sound-wise. Because anybody who listens to our podcast knows these girls are crazy. Like, currently, Kona just walked across my keyboard and moved Alamus's picture out of the way. So, I don't know how she keeps doing this. She's insane. (laughs) She's hit that button multiple times. Yeah. Kona is really good at hitting the same inconvenient button over and over again. The (laughs) amount of phone calls she hangs up on or time she turns the TV off is just shocking. She's got great aim. It's purposeful at this point. That dog's purpose. So that is why... (laughs) That is why Callie and Kona and I will be leaving on Friday, so Hyman can have good sound quality. For the I love sound quality. But yeah, so that's where we'll be. Anywhere other than here. Yeah, I have to. I don't remember. I don't know what time they actually record. I'm pretty sure it's really late for us. So. Yeah, I don't think you will. I think you will be here. You'll just be asleep. I think it's like eight or nine, babe. No, I think they record at like. 10 o'clock central time. Either way, we're going to figure it out in the next day or two. Yeah. And watch our Twitter feed. They record at 9 o'clock central time. So what's that, 10 or 11 for us? 10. 10 here. Yeah, 10. Either way. Either way, watch our Twitter feed. We'll definitely post it up. Uh, All right, moving on. Stuff you may have missed in Destiny. It's the same stuff from last week. You know, we've got Solstice of Heroes until August 27th. Um, The extended Moments of Triumph until September 17th. Because of Shadowkeep being pushed back. What do I have, like, three weeks to get that armor finished? One week of that on PC? Half of a week of it on PC, maybe? (laughs) Well, no, like, that's two weeks. Yeah, two weeks. Solstice, and then mm-hmm. you have like another three weeks to actually finish up Moments of Triumph. I'm not too worried about that one. No, I just know that we're getting, yeah, it's almost uh, be two weeks from when you're listening to this that you have for your Solstice of Heroes. So get it done. Yeah. Um, and they will be pushing out an update to make the Solstice grind easier. Uh, this Actually, it's going to be like two hours from now. Two when you're now or two hours from when they're listening? Okay, so it's like two listening. hours from when you're listening to this. Tuesday reset. Yep. Um, I'm actually excited for one of the updates. Instead of having to sit there and farm a hundred EAZ mini bosses, you can actually just play the EAZ. Mm-hmm. I just. Just starting the blue set of armor on my first character. I'm super bad, but so I'm super excited for it. But I have a buddy who finished all three characters, everything. So, yeah. oh yeah, I, oh, well. I have one of those friends as well. <clears throat> oh well, for you. Now more of us can join you. I've I've finished it on one character completely, like almost fully masterworked, without even trying. Um, and then I have two characters that are both at the blue set. So I'm excited for the update since it's going to make the blue set grind not as bad. Yeah, for sure. Can't imagine 100 mini bosses. It's a lot. Then you have to be there for every single one of them too. Either You have yeah. to get a shot in on every single one of them. 
Um, which is why the update is going to be really good because you, like the actual final boss is going to count for five points of that. Yes. Well, I think they had a hundred to 50. I think one of the big problems I heard that uh, people were just leaving um, after yeah. the mini boss phase. Nope. Because no, because the chests were like 50. Everyone finished that and the boss didn't count. So what happened is you'd just be there stuck by yourself. if You were trying to just do the event. So I think that they did this just for quality, which I'm glad because they could have said, we'll keep this in mind next time we have a solstice kind of thing. But because I don't know if this is going to stick around the aerial zone or not, but I'm glad that they're kind of fixing it when we still got a couple weeks left. Yeah. GG, Bungie. That way it fixes the actual issue that's going on right now. And yeah, makes it better. All right, uh, let's move on. Mrs. Hyven? I do not have a question this week. We can keep on trucking. Nothing I to have, I have been able what? to start getting back into Focus Fire Chat um, now that I've gone through enough of like the training period and everything at my job. I've been back to I mean, you don't have a Wait, you've been listening about Titans. You don't have a question about Saint 14 or maybe like Payan or something like that? First of all, Saved 14 has its own episode, and we already kind of went through a little bit of that. Second of all, I haven't finished the episode on Titans, so let's chill. Don't you know? Do you know about Payan yet? Yeah. They keep calling him <laughs> something else. Is that what they've been calling him? Is that not the real name? I don't Payan know. I can't person. follow. They keep saying different <laughs> things confirmed for him that aren't, and I'm getting confused as to what's actually real about this person. About who? Saint 14? No, the other one. Payan's not actually a person. Well, it's a long-running joke. Um, yeah, from the focus anyway. of our early days. Good old, N- good old Payan. P- I love Payan. Hayes. <clears throat> Don't they call him Pancake or something? Isn't that? Oh, that's Pahanin. Oh, okay. Sorry, my bad. Getting a little confused. Yeah, that's um, Panini. Anyways, I have just like literally just gotten back into it on Friday. I was listening, um, so I am. Um, Slowly but surely getting more information again. And I'm sure I'll have a question by next week. Okay. 14 is the best, so. Yeah, we already went over that. And I already watched or listened to the same 14 episode. We're back. Oh, good. I'm proud of you for listening to that. <laughs> and getting back on track. Cutting Hyven off. A brief intro to the topic. This is the final verse in the Books of Sorrow. Um. The Books of Sorrow are essentially the Hive Bible as written by Oryx. And for the previous verses, listen to episodes 29 through 32. Uh, We're also going to be doing a speculation episode and, and spin foil theory episode next week. We're going to rant for about an hour or so, maybe next week. Yeah. Yeah, so if you have any theories or speculation or questions... You can make the episode much more enjoyable. We would really love to discuss fan theories and things, but if we don't have any, we'll make our own. Because, like, we would love to poke holes in the theories or find support to actually prove them. Blow my mind. Yeah. Anyway, so, with that being said, let's get into our lore book readings. Let's do it. We are starting with verse 550. Five, and our title for this one is quite interesting. We're just going to call it Bracket. 
lots of brackets. <laughs> because if you look at it, it's just some brackets and some what do you even what do you call those? What are they Pipe. actually called? They called pipes. Yep. They're not slashes cuz slashes are diagonal, but it's like a way. straight up and down slash. Yep. Two brackets, pipe, two brackets. Or pipe, like two brackets. a straight line. I mean, even those little like sideways carrot things aren't actually brackets. No, I forget what they're little, you know, parentheses with hard edges. Less than, greater than, yes, pipe, less than, greater than, pipe, less than, greater than. But and either way, exactly if, is, you, if you look at it, it is basically just formatted. Three words go in each one of those, and which you'll hear as I read. All right, let's do it. Interdict, simulate, worship. I am going to kill you. I am going to salt my meat with your briny little thoughts. I am going to cook flesh on your broken molten hull. Insinuate, subvert, replicate. This ship is my throne. You want to take it from me. You want to fill it up with your own spawn and use it for your abstract purposes. But I defy you. Observe. Imitate. Usurp. You will never be what I am. Simulate me, wretch. Calculate the permutations of my divinity. Compute the death in the shape of my throne. Render my shadow on the stone of ten thousand graveyard worlds. It will never be enough. I hold the tablets of ruin. I speak to the deep. Not with a galaxy of thinking matter could you encompass me. Behold. Unknown, enigma, shortfall, abort, halt, abort. So that was weird. I told, I promised him last week that Just we were going to talk about salting your meat. Yeah, with the second you started Pops. saying that, I was like, oh yeah, that is how our podcast ended last week. Yeah, want to fill it up with your own spawn. Oh, I told you, out of it context. Was still it was weird then. It's still weird it's now. Still weird now. <laughs> Yep. Good point. Good point. But yeah, so that was all weird. And I'm assuming this is all um, Oryx, because they're talking about I hold the tablets of ruin, blah, blah, blah. Oryx talking about the Vex. So it sounds weird, but I'm going to salt my down, meat babe. with your briny little thoughts. Vex are robots. But if you look at the little diamond in their bellies, on most of them, there's, right, that's where you're supposed to shoot him. There's right. like white, clear, this white, it's a white milky liquid in there. That's the juice box. When you shoot the juice box, Vex milk comes out. And that <laughs> liquid is the Vex mind fluid, and it is apparently salty, because we have a guardian who drank it at one point. Didn't go well for him, but that is why it refers to with your briny little thoughts. The Vex are a hive mind, and while there were speculations that are not really... Uh, it's gone back and forth if the Vex are that hey, fluid or if hey, that's just their mind fluid. Hey, but what? Save that for next week. Oh, it's not speculation. Next week, sir. Oh, it's not speculation. It's just about the Vex in general. Regardless of what that fluid is, if it is the Vex or if it's just what they need to share their consciousness, it's their, it's their good bits. It's their brain. Ew, don't call it their good bits. It's like their brain fluid. <laughs> their, it's their brain fluid. Brain fluid and good bits? 
two different things. All right, fine, fine. Brain fluid does not come to mind when somebody says good bits. But that's what he's talking about, salting his meat with their briny little thoughts. He's killing them and just pouring their brain fluid all over the things. Salt his good bits. And then cooking their... I don't know why, what kind of flesh he's going to cook on his hall. That's going to be really metally. But, you know. I mean, I'm sure his hall's pretty hot. Might be a good place to grow. It's full of copper and iron. That's right. It would have been like, I will melt down your bodies and form them on my hall for armor. Unless the Vex milk, like, coagulates. Mm-hmm. All right, this is definitely getting to <laughs> Okay, this is not actually a podcast on Vex milk, but, yeah, that's that kind of explains that. All right, he does anything talk about... other... Yeah, any other things that are legitimate things from this card? Okay, so those... Carrots, as you said, the less than, the less than greater than brackets, whatever we want to call them, those mm-hmm. sets are the Vex. The text in between is Oryx. So the Vex start with they want to interdict, simulate, worship. As we talked about one of the past cards, they've learned from the from the Hive about worship, and they want to simulate the Hive so that they can learn from this. Um, and he basically tells them, he's going to kill them. This isn't going to work. Then you see that it's a insinuate, subvert, replicate. Same idea. They want to take this power for their own. They want to simulate Oryx or the Hive. They want to replicate to be able to make this worship stronger. But this is, once again, he says, that you know, you can't. The ship is my throne. You won't take it from me. Blah, blah, blah. And then you see they get a little bit more frantic because those pipes have turned into exclamation marks. It turns into observe, imitate, usurp. So now they're like frantically trying to take Oryx's power. And then that's when he talks about, you can simulate me all you want, um, you know, calculate me, compute the death, destroy hundreds of worlds, but it's never going to be enough. You can never amount to me as I am now, not with the Tablets of Ruin, not when I speak to the Deep. Um, he basically says that not a galaxy of thinking matter could you encompass me. Um, and then that is when they kind of realize that he's right. As they're trying to do this, they realize, unknown, that he's an enigma, and that they made a shortfall. And then they respond with abort, halt, abort. So they are trying to simulate Oryx at this moment. They think that they can do it, and then Oryx tells them they can't, and then they realize, oh, crap, he's right. Yeah. Like, there's not much hidden here. <laughs> yeah. If you don't pay, no, notice that, like, that is, like, the Vex, like, the, the different <laughs> speech between it could be confusing. But for the most part, because I know what happens in the rest of the book, it kind of helps, too. But, yeah. As we continue on, we'll see. Well, and, and so at this point, simulate. I mean, well, at this point, the Vex have already infiltrated Oryx's throne world. So anybody who's even remotely paying attention, could actually figure that out. And especially with words like interdict, simulate, right. uh, subvert, insula- or insinuate, replicate. Replicate it, like, totally reminds me of Siva, but yeah, same idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's all just kind of code, which is kind of what it seems to be like, which the Vex are always been... Very similar to that, so, yeah. Yep. Nice, nice. All right. Should All right, Mrs. Hyven. 
All right, let's move on. Five, one, end of failed timeline. By now, Coria knows it can't win. There's something pathological about the world inside Oryx's ship. It resists analysis with hot, dead spite. And Oryx himself, he's irreducible. He refuses to obey Coria's simulations. He crashes around, sowing chaos. He grabs sub-minds and compromises them with some kind of ontological weapon. Paracausal systems, very problematic. Corey is trying the religious tactics it evolved in the hive's manifold. But even on those terms, Orox is strong, so strong. Coria won't be able to protect its gates much longer. The closest Coria got to a simulation of Orox is a best-guess bootstrap. It's wrong. Coria is sure of that. It's Orox minus the symbiote organism, minus the wings and morphs, minus the weapon, minus the power. No good for anything. Coria manifests that simulation anyway just to see what happens. The Tegan King marches on Coria's Hydra Hall, armed with blade and magic, cloaked in ancient cloth, and the universe wails in horror around him. Coria's physics models and toy worlds choke and crash. Coria observes alert and attentive as a single quark splits on the tip of Oryx's sword. From within the Hydra Hall, Coria's tiny, not Aurox, speaks. What are you? It says. It's manifesting terror and awe. Aurox's eyes blaze with a curiosity that is entirely isomorphic with hate. With voracious hunger. Arash, he says in his hive language. You've made me as I was. You've made a tiny Arash. Ha! Huh. Coria updates the simulation's name. Arash is curious. You're me. You're me as I become. Orox kneels. His blade is on his left shoulder. Coria is firing every available weapon at him. But his words don't break. He looks into Coria's sensors through the hammering fire and he says, Child. I have everything you wanted. I am immortal. I know the great secrets of the universe. I have scouted the edges of the darkness, and I have chased the lying god down galactic arms and a howling pack of moons. In my fist, I carry the secret power that will rule eternity. In my worm, I bear the tribute of my court and of my children. The hope eater, the weaver, and the unraveler. And with this tribute, I smash my foes. I am Orox, the Taken King. I am Almighty. Coria samples the Teox intelligence retrieved from the Ecumene Gate. There are useful names. It feeds them into the simulation. What about your sisters? Arash asks his future self. Sathona. Zero. Are they with you? The Taken King's fangs glint. That sound might be a laugh or a hiss. Coria shuts down its weapons and puts all its spare resources into sending telemetry to the greater Vex. 
There will be points in space and time where this data, data is vital. There will be great projects undertaken in the study of this ontological power, this throne space. Where are my sisters? Aura shouts. What have you done with my people? What have you done? But Aura's fist is full of black fire, and the next thing Coria sees is a light like stars. So, Kuria isn't able to simulate Oryx as he currently is. Just like Oryx told him. But, Kuria is able to actually simulate Arash. And that's, that's kind of weird when you stop and think about it. Like, I can't see you for what you are now, but I can see your beginnings. I mean, it makes sense, though, because, as it says, yeah. what it does simulate is... Minus the symbiote organism, because they can't simulate the worms. Minus the wings and morphs. I guess that's just because that's Oryx's future self. Minus the weapon, minus the power. So basically, once he became ontological and you know had the power of the deep and all that stuff, just couldn't simulate all those things. But simulate him as a normal krill. Yeah. I, I love how it starts out by saying, like, by now, Kuria knows it can't win. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because this literally is like a yeah. tie-in to like that last card where they're like, oh, crap, we're trying to simulate Halt. This isn't working. Oh, crap. Right. Well, and, and like, it's, it's that tied in with the title of the card, End of Failed Timeline. <clears throat> mm -hmm. It's like... Because we know the Vex just run every option that could happen in the universe, every timeline, trying to find one where yeah. they're victorious. And this is just the end of another failed one. I just love that they're like, Coria manifests the simulation anyway, just to see what happens. Because Coria is just like, this is useless. And at this point, you know, Oryx is just like walking in, just like destroying everything. And I just love, he just stops and is like, for me, he's like comical. He's like, Arash, you've made a tiny Arash. Uh, just cracks me up. And then he, they just talk to each other, which has got to be weird. Talking to, it's like, you know, you talk to your childhood self. Except it's somebody playing your childhood self. <clears throat> yeah, but Vex simulations are, like, super realistic, you know? Granted, Coria doesn't have enough information, necessarily. I love that Coria keeps, like, throwing in information as it gets names and things like that. Like, it didn't know this was Arash. Ooh, let me throw that in. That information's useful. Oh, your sisters. Let me throw that in there. And I yeah. love that then... Uh, wow. I just see... It's just, like, almost cartoonish. Like, while... Um, Oryx is kneeling down, talking to Arash. It's like Koya runs up, like from the cartoon, and starts like breaking like shovels and like all those things, like over Oryx's head, and like nothing's happening. Just shooting him with every weapon it has, and just just chilling there with Willbreaker over his shoulder, just talking to his childhood self. <laughs> right. So, I just find that funny that she's just making this full-on assault, and then she stops because it says that Koya shuts down. Well, she, he, Coria, I guess. I don't know why. I've changed its gender multiple times. It. It's a robot, guys. Coria shuts down its weapons and uh, puts all its spare resources in sending telemetry to the greater Vex. So it realizes that it could quite possibly uh, gain some information from this encounter by Oryx and Orash. Um, it's feeding information to the program, and then it's sending that information back to the greater Vex. Because basically, Coria knows it's screwed. Um, but it's going to try to get as much as possible. Uh, 
And I love how, um, whether or not it's the simulation running on its own, or if Corian does this on purpose, like the simulation of Oras kind of freaks out. Because um, Oryx talks about how it he gained all the power that Orash ever wanted. But Orash is like, where's my sisters? What have you done with my people? What have you done? So that's kind of a question on how we view the simulations. Um, you, you know, because what we know off of the Ishtar Collective, that a simulation, the Vex simulations are kind of like real, you know. How do you know that you're not a simulation if the Vex can simulate you almost perfectly? Um, so whether or not this yeah. simulation is as good as, as that, um, I don't really know. But I would like to think that if it is on the same quality as that simulation, then Orash, we are seeing that Orash's original goals and what he, she ended up becoming as Oryx the Taken King were, like, were a different path than the sisters originally hoped for. Um, so that's kind of kind of shows once again that the the hive started off with a goal that they may have kind of lost sight of, and it turned into being just very power hungry, which is what we've kind of talked about a little bit about how the uh, you know the hive have gone through a lot of changes in their civilization. I don't know yeah. if you had any thoughts on that. Just kind of their interaction here. Well, the one thing I do want to point out is. But Oryx's fist is full of black fire, and the next thing Curia sees is a light like stars. Yeah. It it's it's a cliffhanger here, and then the next card is is the bombshell going off. Alright. So I'll just we'll jump right into do that. It. Just we do know though, remember that black fire was kind of what he uses when he takes things, so. Yep. Let's get into this. Verse Five two. Strict proof eternal. I have a gift for you, says Oryx. Savathun, witch queen, looks at him with dry weariness. Is it the sword logic I need to go into the deep and take your power for myself? Their echoes move among the war moons, walking together on the hull of a two thousand year old warship. Savathun's fleet has assembled here in preparation for an assault on the gift mast. The deep is headed that way, on the trail of its prey, and the hive will be its vanguard. It's a vex I captured. Kuria, blade transform. It made an attempt to puncture my throne. I thought you might enjoy studying it. Oryx pauses, digesting. Through the bond of lineage, he can feel Crota killing. Worlds and worlds away, and it tastes like sweet fat. Kuria contains a vex attempt to simulate me. It might generate others. You, perhaps. Or Shivu Wrath. I've left it some will of its own, so it can surprise you. I suppose it'll blow up and kill me, Savathun grouses. Or let the machines into my throne, where they'll start turning everything into clocks and glass. If it kills you, then you deserve to die. Oryx says it with a quiet thrill, a happy thrill, because it is good to say the truth. I don't have a strict proof yet, you know. Savathun strokes the void with one long claw, and space-time groans beneath her touch. This thing we believe, 
that we are liberating the universe by devouring it, that we are cutting out the rot, that we are on course to join the final shape. I haven't found a strict eternal proof. We might yet be wrong. Oryx looks at her, and for a moment, just a moment, he is nostalgic. He is sentimental. He thinks, imagine the years behind us, the things we've done, and yet being old doesn't feel like a scar, does it? It hasn't left me dull. I feel alive, alive with you. And every time I step back into this world from my throne, I feel like I'm two years old again, at the bottom of the universe, looking up. But he says, sister, it's us. We're the proof. We, the hive. If we last forever, we prove it. And if something more ruthless conquers us, then the proof is sealed. She looks back at him with eyes like hot needles. I like that, she says. That's elegant. Although, of course, she has had this thought before. All right, so this is a great card, because even reading this again, I picked up points that I hadn't before. Um, but, you know, starting off, it, I just, just noticing how the, right off the bat, that the Hive are fighting with the Deep. They're going into a war. I, I never quite paid, sorry, with the, yeah, I never quite paid attention to the fact that, like, the Deep is going off fighting things, and that they're just kind of following as the army. Um, that they're making a preparation for an assault on the gift mass. The deep is headed that way on the trail of its prey, and the hive will be its vanguard. So that was kind of an interesting thing. I never really thought of the deep, kind of just because it's one of those those named things that Bungie never, you know, explained. Kind of like the darkness. They kind of got rid of that for a while because even they didn't yeah. quite know what it was that they said and that they were going to kind of get back into things and start... You know, there was that time period where the lore was so great because it was so vague, and then they worked on actually um, giving us more details. You know, our lore has gotten really, really good because they're really, really filling up that universe with details on some of the broader topics. So I think I just never really thought about the deep, but it's kind of interesting to think of the deep as an individual. Um, the same as the darkness, and we see those. It makes me think of like the pyramid ships or the darkness that the. Uh, Yang Liwei ran into as like being an entity that actually has power. So that was kind of interesting for me. Not that there's really much we can speculate on that, but kind of a cool reminder. And like that, that was kind of where my <clears throat> mind went as well, um, which would explain why the pyramid ships were so far away and they woke up. Yeah, and that's and that's exactly what I was thinking. Like the deep, the darkness, these pyramid ships. Yeah. So I think it's possibly because we these pyramid ships are just like we've seen them so many places. They look like darkness. You know, we have those beings that Drifter found that were like proto taken hive individuals. There's just all this stuff that we don't know, and sometimes it's easy to lump all that together. But I really look forward to hopefully maybe Destiny Three getting a little bit more understanding about like the top of the hierarchy when it comes to like the deep or the darkness so just something i'm always kind of thinking about and or maybe you know i doubt it but maybe with shadow keep we'll, yeah we'll you know what get to see a little bit there i think we will honestly because 
obviously this is we can not get into it too much, but just the fact that we see all those like floating shadows everywhere, um, those like nightmare looking things. I kind of yeah. think I kind of think as like something is not to make it sound like the Vex, but like simulating things that we have fought, like taking our nightmares, our fears, and recreating them. So I think it has something to do with like this shadow, dark kind of being. So I think we might get a little bit of a new enemy. I th- I don't think that it's strictly hive, so maybe we'll get a little taste right. of the deep. So that would be really cool. And see, I no, actually, that that's diving too far <laughs> off topic. We can talk about that later too. Yeah, maybe yeah. we'll have an episode on just excitement, a mini episode on, or you know, we'll have a variety show for it. We've been talking about what we were going to do for our last episode. We were going to talk a little bit about Eris and stuff like that. Maybe we'll have an Eris slash Shadow Keep kind of like discussion kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah. And then, of course, the big part of this card is Coria being given to Sabathun. I just love it. She's like, I'm, I'm assuming it's going to blow up or that it's going to cut a throne, a uh, hole in my throne, and everything's going to start turning into clocks and glass. Uh, and that just makes me think remember, Oryx blamed Sabathun for letting the Vex in, but we said that was maybe just him freaking out about it. This makes it sound like like Sabathun's like I had nothing to do with that, you know. I just don't want the same thing to happen to me. So I, I still think that's interesting, like where the Vex really came from. Um, well, because like when the Vex first came in, Oryx was writing it like, oh, it was all Sabathun's fault. It was Sabathun's yeah, yeah. fault. Exactly. This might still be her tricking Oryx, saying, I, I don't know where they came from. It's true. Yeah, we but, really don't know. But it could still be like I, I could see it both ways like this is her tricking mm-hmm. him or this is her actually being honest <clears throat> yeah that's true like i honestly while i can't believe everything in this book the person who told us everything is a lie is like the trickster god practically so <laughs> right. how much can you believe about that so really in reality the one we should really be questioning is probably sabathun but you know cuz oryx is the great navigator he's the explorer he would be probably the most likely to write down, in my opinion, things to be as factual as possible. Um, does that make sense? You know, being when you think of someone who's an explorer, you think of somebody who wants to write down the history of kind of like what's going on. Well, Sabathun is like the trickster. She's not really going to be writing down the truth either. Yeah. So you, when when it comes to seeing the bias in this, you could go either ways, and probably we're all wrong. Right. But, um, yeah, so he kind of takes Coria, but not completely. Still lets it have a little bit of will. Um, and so this is a big part in what's been currently going on. You know, we have a lot of references to Coria. Everyone's been talking about Coria because Sabathun is like a power now. So this could have either been, you know, it was kind of like, oh, Oryx, you messed up giving Sabathun such a powerful tool. But at the same time, Oryx is gone now, and Sabathun might use Coria to further their goals. Who knows? Even bringing Oryx back kind of thing. So in the end, it really probably was a pretty good idea by him. Well, Sabathun's using it for her tribute, but still, <clears throat> it's furthering the goal of the Hive. Right. Well, and like, like I'm trying to get behind why Oryx gifted it. The only thing I could think of is he... Sabathun is so manipulative that she might do better in researching a Vex 
because, you know, Vex simulations are kind of manipulative in a way and tricky, you know. So I'm thinking maybe he just thought that Sabathun was better for it. Or maybe he did have ulterior motive. Maybe he was also like, I've had enough trouble with this. I want this out of here. Now, there's so many different possibilities. I don't really know. I kind of never really questioned it. I kind of just thought of it as like a, I don't have any, I don't know what to do with this. Maybe you can benefit kind of thing. Right. Because like, or maybe he thought it would run loose on her. He did yeah, say... Maybe he is trying to sabotage her. So it can surprise you. If it kills you, then you deserve to die. So... Right. Maybe another he is trying love. to sabotage her, but like... If you love things, set them free from life. It's <laughs> a quote from this whole book. Pretty much. But yeah, and then I like how, at least in the, um, the lore book... That is like one column of text, and then the next column is all kind of on this. It, it kind of like breaks the flow really nicely. Because Sabathun, just like out of nowhere, is like, you know, I don't have strict proof. This thing that we're doing, this destroying universes, liberating, cutting out the rot, um, trying to attain the final shape, I still don't have proof that what we're doing is right. And like that's the first time Sabathun, I think we've seen Sabathun question. We saw Oryx question their goals. Yeah. Early on, when he tried to disobey his worm, um, and then Oryx is reassuring her that you know, we, we are well. First, he's nostalgic. He thinks back to their early life, which is kind of interesting. But he kind of like pushes that back and says, you know, we're the proof as the hive. The fact that we've lasted forever, and then if something else conquers us, that still proves it because it still proves that the most most powerful being, when they're all said and done, the final shape is whoever's still still around and and then you know sabathun acts like she's being comforted even though she's already thought about this before but so i what do you what do you think about that right there at the end um that's elegant although of course she had this thought before do you think she's trying to manipulate oryx to like continue i i do see that as more manipulation from her yeah i honestly see everything from sabathun as more manipulation i don't really think that she was truly like questioning it like she needed comfort from her brother i think it was more of like twofold like reassurance but also manipulating oryx into continuing the fight kind of thing i don't know there's so many questions right. about the three of these siblings that i don't know if we'll ever get answers to completely well and like it's, <clears> it's, it's funny been... because there's all this speculation of oryx and savathun but like shivu Arath is Are the most straightforward ever... yeah of the three. I mean, honestly, Bungie could make the story just about them for the rest of the game's lifespan, and we'd, that, would be, that would be probably a, a, a full, full story. You know what I'm saying? I really, really hope that yeah. Bungie at some point is able to commission like books like the Halo series did so we can just get these stories. Because like, the Hive timeline could be its own like five, six book like story arc, you know? Crazy. Absolutely. And and even then, I mean, everything in Destiny since Forsaken has had, and even a little bit before Forsaken, um, it's had like Savathun's fingers in it. It's true. I mean, we had the Oryx story, and everyone was like, "Oh, we're still gonna go on the Hive. We want something else." So they're like, "All right, here's this awesome new story." Oh, but just, just by the way, the Hive are still. Still in there. Yeah. It's the other sister that we've promised you were going to get a little help, you know. 
Right. But honestly, I almost wonder if like they're just teasing us. Um, and it's kind of like a Sabathun, Sabathun, Sabathun. Zevo Wrath is on your doorstep, and you guys are all about to die, and we almost fight like her first before Sabathun. Like, I almost think Sabathun's going to be like hiding in the background this whole time. And see, that, that's how I see it. Like, I see Sabathun being <clears throat> like one of the final enemies that we fight, either in D2 or in D3. But, Sa- you know, Zevo Wrath is going to be here first. Yeah, I kind of agree, man. It's just really interesting because didn't we have a uh, one of the quests or something that was going on in the Dreaming City one of the weeks? There was like a child of Zivu that we fought yes. also. So there uh, has been mention. It was like three different children of Zivu Wrath, and oh, yeah, it was like three different children of Zivu Wrath that were all taken. Um, there were heralds of Zivu Wrath. Like, it, it was, and it was across the three different weeks. Yeah, and it was in the Dreaming City, which we've been tying to Sabathun this whole time. So it's like, they're still working together. Who knows who we see first? <clears throat> right. Well, and, and who's to say that, like, Sabathun didn't Wasn't have Kuria take some take of the ore? Them. Yeah, that's another thing, too. Yeah, th- this this should all be next week. <laughs> yeah, we should move on. There is just so much... Uh, I'm telling you guys, every single one of these cards brings up, like, so many thoughts. It's crazy. Okay. All right. Then I'll move us on to verse 5-3. I'd shut them all in cells. Pray and sacrifice. Uttered by Zivu Arath, God of War. Harmony. When the Traveler passed across Harmony, it lied to the orbits of ten worlds. Now they orbit the black hole. The Traveler lied to the accretion disk so that it would give warm light to these worlds. The Gift Mast. When the Traveler left Harmony, it made a monument out of the black hole's polar jet. In the jet, there is a hollow mast which sings in radiance. This is the Gift Mast, and we will devour it. We will eat the sky out of it. We will snap it like a bone. The Harmony Sting. The Harmony has weaponized their dead star. They can simulate the accretion disk to fire relativistic plasma jets. We will take the sting. We will use it to burn their worlds. I will grant one temple of tribute to the first descendant to kill a world. Oryx. I will have the gift, gift mast to feast on. I will have it first. I am Zivu Arath, and all war is my temple. Beware the daughters of Oryx, for they make and unmake with ease. Sabathun, the deceitful sister, will be distracted by Arcana and the song of the black hole. Treat her broods with contempt. The Traveler, we chase it and we will devour it. The deep will rule the cosmos. The dragons, our gods should be ours alone. Their smug freedom is an insult to me. I'd shut them all in cells. Bring them to me. Oh, man. Oh, Shibu Arath mine. Uh, uh, <laughs> okay, there's a lot to unpack here, too. Yeah. Uh, so, at first, they're... The Traveler is still trying to flee them. And... Yeah. 
it, it says that it lied to the orbits of ten worlds. Now they orbit the black hole. Yeah, and we, they've talked about like the harmony and the gift mass in past cards, but I think this is the first time we really get the understanding that this is like another civilization that the travelers visited, and yeah. like it's just continuing that same same cycle. Um, and like, I feel so sad for them because the traveler is just trying to flee all of this, mm. and mm. here come the hive as the heralds for the deep, just annihilating anything and everything that walks. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the same story of the Traveler. It looks like, you know, the Traveler visited a place. Um, it made all these worlds, like, orbit, you know, maybe made, like, this happy, everyone's orbiting together, everyone's prosperous. And then, um, you know, it made... It gave them... It basically... It sounds like it turned a black hole into a sun for them so that their planets could prosper. You know, it gave off... What does it say? Warm light to these worlds... But then classic Traveler, it leaves, but before it leaves, or before it died in our case, it gave them one last thing to help fight back, and that is it basically made them so that they could use this black hole as a weapon, and that's what the gift mass is. And then the Harmony, use it as a weapon. So that kind of reminds me of like the Traveler's last-ditch effort, making us all Guardians. It doesn't do that to every world, but it like kind of gives a little bit of a something before it runs away, and it's like, here, take this weapon, good luck! Right. Yeah. So, and we already know that they're kind of screwed. What did we just read a couple cards ago? That the Deep and Sabathun, Oryx, now Ziva were all on their way. They're kind of they're kind of screwed. Just a bit. Yeah. Um, and I love how how Ziva Wrath is like, I will grant one temple of tribute to the first descendant to kill a world. Right. And then it goes into <laughs> Oryx's response to that. And Savathun's response to that. Um, Yeah. Well, yeah, he just kind of comments on the two of them. He's like, anyone who can kill a world, just be careful of Oryx, because his crazy daughters make and unmake with ease. And also, pay attention to Savathun, because everything about her you should treat with contempt, because she's just distracted by the arcana and the... Song of the Black Hole, so she's like focusing on something completely different. Yeah, of course. Which actually, we find out about <clears throat> in the Truth to Power book. We do. Yeah, you think that this is? Oh my God! There you go. I bet you this is the black hole she's experimented on, or yeah. at least the first time she realized that she could possibly use a black hole. Um, if you don't know what we're talking about. We'll cover it in Truth of Hour, but Sabathun experimented with a black hole in order to slow down time so that she could gather more tribute than her worm could eat. Um, that's kind of the short It's a death battery. Yeah, it's a death battery. Uh-huh. And then, you know, I'm slowly working towards it, but of course the Traveler, they're chasing down the Traveler like always. And finally, out of nowhere, the dragons... I read, like, so great, then we got to the dragons, and me and Elmas both kind of freaked out, and I just lost my place and had to reread that. You guys don't yeah. know that, but... <laughs> Elmas, the dragons, what's going on with this? Oh, I'll tell you, oh, reader mine. <laughs> um, so, this is partly where a, a fan theory comes in, and we will get into that <laughs> next week, but... Long and short of it, we we theorize that this is talking about Ahamkara. I think it would have to be, you know, referring to the dragons. 
but just the fact that this is why people think that the worm gods and the ahamkara are the same species because they you know we know that their gods refer to the worm gods and that we know usually the dragons refer to ahamkara so when they say that our god should be ours alone their smug freedom is an insult to me i'd shut them all in cells bring them to me basically saying the worm gods should you know should be the only gods these dragons who are free is a is an insult it just so this is where like some of the that stuff stems to where the ahamkara and the worm gods are connected in some way man well now see the thing that that's <clears throat> puzzle that i'm stuck on is the fact that this just comes out of nowhere yeah that's what that's exactly what i was saying like we're talking about all this stuff and then all of a sudden the dragons right after talking about the traveler um we don't think of the ahamkara or the dragons as if that's exa- exactly what they're talking about as like good we wiped them all out because of what they're like kind of like their deceit and their their trickery basically but it's almost like zivu is like almost linking the dragons to like the traveler you know they're free they're this they're like the they're the opposite of our gods you know maybe i'm reading into it but it's almost like they view the dragons as kind of like being the other side yeah like that that yeah, and I'm I'm gonna have to go back over this card in preparation for next week because I've I'm starting to make connections that probably aren't there, but this is this is a fun rabbit hole to to just jump into. <clears throat> yeah, we'll go into that. Like, I think we'll try to do like things we know versus what we can maybe gather because there's like there's there's a lot of different levels of what we call spin foil. You know, fan theory. There is. What we know, what we can probably deduce based off what we know, and then what we kind of hope for slash wildly theorize about because of some slightly connected piece of lore. Um, yeah. And I think that's what makes Bungie's, their lore and their storytelling from all the writers so amazing is because they do give us stuff that we know. They give us stuff that we're able to figure out that's not plainly stated. And then they give us stuff that we've theorized about for years that we still don't have answers for. So there's just like different levels of like just excitement about the lore every time you read Absolutely. it. Absolutely. All right. Well, we'll be here forever. See, this is what happens when Mrs. Hyven is gone. No. Right. She had to step away for a little. She probably won't be on the rest of this episode. Um, but yeah. We wish her to feel better. Yes. Yes. She's she's relaxing now. But, um, yeah, we, we go on tangents. So then, since that's the case, I will continue on with verse 5-4. The Gift Mast. The Gift Mast. It towers above this star system like a monument to treason. It beams with silver light. It sings a radio lullaby made of soothing lies. In its light live the harmony. And they are now our prey. Now arrives Jivu Urath at the head of her armada. She fights the Harmony for 50 years with strategies and discipline. But the Harmony turned to dragon wishes. And their wishful bishops wrestle Jivu in the Ascendant Plain. Jivu falls into deadlock. Next arrives Savathun. Flanked by her chorus and her celebrants. They trick their way onto Anna Harmony in disguises. 
so that they might vivisect these dragons. The worm, our god, laughs and laughs. For a hundred years, Savathun keeps secret covens among the Harmony. But first of all was Oryx, whose brood grew in secret places in the rubble of the accretion disk. The first navigator sends rocks and comets to crash into the Harmony worlds, so that the Harmony fleet will be disarrayed. He sends cedars to infiltrate the Harmony worlds with his broods. Here, at the center of the fifth book, the hive has grown so mighty that it has made the annihilation of all false life routine. Shiva Arath kills the wishful bishops, and Savathun achieves some secret purpose, and Oryx's court tears down the gift mast. The Harmony people wail in terror, and they throw themselves into the silver lakes of Anna Harmony to drown. Come, saith Oryx, eat of the gift mast, for I am a generous god. Of its pieces, I claim only two out of every five. The mast is full of the light of the traveler. It is full of the marrow taste of sky. All who eat of it are filled with the ecstatic certainty that they serve a great and necessary purpose. Then saith Savathun, Siblings, listen. We must part ways a while, so that we may grow different. She flies her war moons into the black hole. Her throne becomes distant. Saith Shivu Urath, King Oryx, you take up too much space. Your power constrains too many choices. I must go away from you. She flies her war moons away into the night. Her throne is barred shut. Then Oryx was alone. He spent a while in thought, and those thoughts are recorded here. Oh, I wanted to just because we just, I was just saying, because once again, my memory is flawed, guys, about how this might have been the black hole that Sabathun used her experiments on. Right off the bat, we see that they all split separate ways. Sabathun flies her army into the black hole. So here's where she starts doing some of those experiments with black holes. And I love how Sabathun's like, I'm supposed to have the giant army, but Oryx, you take up way too much space. Let me go away, and we'll split up. So that would be why we see Oryx as the first of the siblings that we have to fight. He's the one who is still centralized, um, which we would assume close to us. The other two went separate ways. And that's also why we only face Oryx and not the siblings uh, together. I would also say that's why we fared better in yeah. these other civilizations. Because these other civilizations fought all three siblings, all of the Hive, for like thousands of years before they were destroyed. I think if that was the case, we would have been destroyed also. Exactly. So, exactly. I mean, if we had to fight Oryx, Savathun, and Shivu Wrath all at the same time, like, there would be no way that we would have survived. Yeah, I the think... The fact the... that we took them separately, yeah. or we well, are taking we... <laughs> them separately, yeah. is, is how we're winning. Yeah, I, I don't think it's that we are so much different. Yeah, maybe the fact that the Traveler kind of is stuck here and that it gave us its light kind of to have Guardians helps. But yeah, I think we would be screwed just like all the rest of these civilizations. Exactly. Um, and then I thought it was interesting that 
once again, this is Oryx's perspective. We don't quite know what's happening. But he talks about how Zavathun has her own problems, which are pretty exciting. We'll grab into. Zavathun basically gets into the Harmony disguised and like has her people. But Oryx is like, but I was actually there first. He says that he had secretly grew broods in the rubble like long before these. So once again, Oryx proving his might and the fact that he had been there the whole time. I mean, he uses them to throw rocks basically at the moons. Um, I think the more interesting of the ones would be what the heck's going on with Sabathun and uh, Zivu. Um, Shivu Wrath just like flies off into space <clears throat> away from Oryx. Well, I mean, but when they're fighting the Harmony specifically. Oh, gotcha. So, I mean, Sabathun, it sounds like she just basically uh, tricks her way with disguises. Um, for hundreds of years, Sabathun keeps secret covens among the Harmony. That's kind of terrifying, because we think about the Dreaming City. She's kind of infested there, that she could have like people disguised in ways we haven't even thought of. She's done it before, we see here. So that's kind of terrifying. Yeah, I'm sure that maybe thinks that word covens is the same thing Mara uses to describe her, <laughs> her groups. I can see your yeah, brain turning. Champions. Yeah, let's not get into that too much. And then, oh and then Zivu, the harmony turned to dragon wishes, and their wishful bishops wrestle Zivu in the ascendant plane. Zivu Wrath is freaking fighting Ahamkara. Right. And the other crazy thing is, the traveler's been running, right? The deep and the hive have been following. We see the dragons. Does that mean the dragons or the Ahamkara are following the traveler? Or inside the Traveler. I'm just kidding. I'm going to calm down. I don't even know. But it's just quite interesting that we talk about... We, we had the great Ahamkara hunt. They've been around making wishes long before us. Well, and, and the fact <clears throat> that the Harmony knew to make the wishes with the Ahamkara... It almost makes me think that they're like native to the Gift Mast. You, yeah, it could be. Or my thinking is that the Ahamkara really are linked to the word God, worm gods, and that they're, it's almost like a civil war of sorts, and that they're Ooh. always kind, trying kind of to, to not necessarily help the civilization, but be a thorn in the side of the worm gods. You know, it kind of reminds I me like of that. It reminds me of, like, you know, the nine. We have the, the two. We have the two groups. Yeah, the two factions have, of the nine. It's almost like these worm gods are like that smaller faction, possibly of the Ahamkara, that the Ahamkara like trapped and are always trying to keep them locked away. I don't know. That's more speculation, but it's just kind of yeah. where my brain goes with the fact that everything's well, and, and, always linked with the hive, man. They, well, and, the and, same and thing so, happens all the time in, with the Traveler. And so the, the funny thing is, like, this is the last verse in the book. Like, we're getting closer to our present history. There's a, so much more uh, speculation and everything the later we ca we go. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just... God. But yeah, I'm just saying, that's why um, in the last card, Zevo Wrath talks about the dragons. Um, so, like, they appeared here. And this is the first time we've... I think this is... I think this is Destiny Timeline's weird. I know that we there's a, a nice one you can look up online that has been very well produced. We don't quite know a full timeline, 
But this, I would, I think, would probably be the first time that the Ahamkara are introduced, because um, this is well before our civilization even comes into play. So we see the Ahamkara being here. We don't know any the dragon wishes. Dragon wishes can't refer to anything other than Ahamkara. I think we can agree upon. Right. So I mean, pretty crazy. They were around long before us. Um, but yeah, so they've split up. <clears throat> I guess we should move on. The band split up. All right, then. If you're good to move on, I'm ready to move on, or I will just speculate forever. All right. Verse 5-5. Five, five. Apocalypse refrains. This is our message to the things that we will kill. A species which believes that a good existence can be invented through games of civilization and through laws of conduct is doomed by that belief. They will die in terror. The lawless and the ruthless will drag them down to die. The universe will erase their monuments. But the one that sets out to understand the one true law and to perform worship of that law will by that decision gain control over their future. They will gain a hope of ascendance, and by their ruthlessness, they will assist the universe in arriving at its perfect shape. Only by eradicating from ourselves all clemency or the weak can we emulate and become that which endures forever. This is inevitable. The universe offers only one choice, and it is between ruthlessness and extinction. We stand against the fatal line that a world built on laws of conduct may ever resist the action of the truly free. This is the slavery of the traveler, the crime of creation, in which labor is wasted on the construction of false shapes. If you choose to fight us, fight us with everything you have, with all your laws and games. We will prove our arguments thus. So, like, this is that that threatening message that is sent to all civilizations before the hive are actually coming into contact with them. You know, hey, bring it. We will kill you. <laughs> yeah, and they give them a warning at the same time. They're like, you know, there's only... You can, you can try to have your happy universe, but in the end, there's only ruthlessness or extinction. Uh, if you think you can win, what does he say? With you know, with your false shape, fight us with everything. Fight us with all of your laws, because we think that that stuff is a lie, and we're coming to destroy you. Yep. Not much to unpack in this yeah. one, except the fact that it's <clears throat> a warning message and a threat, all in the same one. Yeah, it's just continuing on that argument of the final shape. The thing, the same thing that Zabathun and Oryx were just talking about, about whose way is right. That way of the traveler, the way of the deep, and they're basically saying what we've talked about this whole time. They're coming to prove, and you should do the same because we are not going to give you an inch. Yeah. All right. We're on to six. All right. Verse five six. Ayat, 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 ayat. All is well. Ayat. What is at war is healthy. What is at peace is sick. My son Crota feeds me rich, rich tribute. My lineages are strong. My worm is fast and satisfied. 
And with that security, I can spend my time on study and communion with the deep. As I learn more secrets, my power grows. As my power grows, I use it to learn more secrets. I ought. Let it be thus, because it must. I wonder if my sisters have secrets of their own. If my power exceeds theirs, I may kill them permanently and subsume their thrones. But I think they have strength that they hide from me, developed in time of separation. I ought. The only meaningful relationship is the attempt to destroy. Savathun asks if I am as much a slave of the deep as my taken. She asks what price I pay for my power. I am not taken. The hive is not the deep. The deep doesn't want everything to be the same. It wants life, strong life. Life that lives free without the need for a habitat of games to insulate it from reality. When I make my taken, I make them closer to perfect. I heal their wounds and enhance their strengths. This is inherently good. I ought. The only right is existence. The only wrong is non-existence. I am Oryx, the first navigator, the taken king. I ought. Let me be what I am, because to be anything else would be fatal. Right. So these two card, last two cards, and continuing on, um, Oryx is split from his sisters. So these are basically specifically just Oryx's view. It's all written by Oryx, but he's not really discussing what's going on with his siblings anymore, because he doesn't quite know. Um, right. But so, without his sisters to have to worry about, and it sounds like it sounds like there's like a time of peace almost, at least for him. Uh, wherever the heck Crota is still at, or is getting him a plenty of tribute. Uh, he he doesn't really have to fight himself at this moment, so he takes this opportunity to just study and learn more secrets, to commune with the deep even more. Um, and he just gets stronger and stronger. <clears throat> and he comments on, he's getting so strong that if he has to, he'll just kill his sisters and take their power. But he speculates that they probably also have their own power. Oh, something just occurred to me. So, like, there's five different paragraphs, and each paragraph has Iot and uh, a line. Mm-hmm. The name of the card is Iot five times. <laughs> There you go. Those are five. I guess it's his five different thoughts. That's a good point. That's nice. That's why it's got that title. Yeah, you're right. I see it. Ayat. And, and I'm it, wondering. It's almost, they're like sayings. Ayat. What is at war is healthy. What is at peace is sick. Ayat. Let it, become, let it thus become because it must. What does it have? Ayat. The only meaningful relationship is the attempt to destroy. I, uh, the only, only right, right is, existence. is existence. The only, the wrong, only wrong is non-existence. And then finally, I uh, let me be what I am because to be anything else would be fatal. So that's kind of like his um, his credo. Yeah, that's his. In to five ayats. Yep, that's that describes Oryx. <laughs> In five ayats. Um, five ayats and a giant worm. <clears throat> right. I just want to note that, like, reading that very last paragraph felt awesome yeah no it, the first navigator the taken <clears throat> king like that right. i totally felt like i was in character at that point i'm like <laughs> i am a bad 
Ayat. I don't know why, but like I have such like this respect for Oryx. He's just so powerful, so accomplished that the fact that we kind of yeah. killed him in such a obviously game mechanics, you can only make it so amazing. You know what I'm saying? It had to be a raid that we can do, but like I felt like it should have been a. It's almost like I'm. I was sad that we killed Oryx because when you read about Oryx, the conquest and everything, he's just so awe-inspiring that like whether or not you know he's 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 horrible, but he's he's kind of impressive, and it's why I, I kind of would have loved to see. I hate to say it, but I would like to see Oryx come back and to expand that story with some crazy twist. Maybe Savathun gives us a mind trip where we see, or maybe Orbit. he's. Maybe he is defined and somehow comes back. I don't know, you know? Nobody took that power when he was going, well, maybe Sabathun came and took it and she can take. But, you know, that's another topic. But I'm just, I just, I don't know. I really think Oryx is a really, really interesting character. Not that I think the other sisters aren't, but I think he's got a lot of depth. Um, and I like that we get a little bit more of an explanation about the final shape. It's not that all life is the same, but it is strong life without any imperfection. So... They are killing any civilization that they deem unworthy, imperfect. Um, and I believe it is a multiple cards, but about the Taken. Oryx talks about every single race of the Taken. He defines that they're, what their weakness and their strength is and how he fixes their weakness and enhances their strength. And you think when you fight each individual Taken, they all have like a unique power. And then they usually that almost is all... different from their normal normal form and they usually don't have yeah. whatever that like old issue was so you know he thought comments that how the deep he has that power from the deep to take and the and by taking them he's not just like creating all to be one life but he's like enhancing them and like healing their imperfections so we see probably just looking at the taken is probably like the best example of what the final shape is it's just kind of like the perfection of strong life yeah it's just like um <clears throat> i mean heck to use an example scions yeah you know scions too they, they've got frail bodies so then rather than beef up the body he gives them the ability to multiply faster than rabbits yeah that's exactly what i was thinking too scions are like the perfect example not that he makes them invincible and not that he makes, he, you know, they still, re and that each species, you can still tell what they were. He just enhances them. So it's kind of like that's his yeah. goal. Um, yeah, man, there's not really too much else. I just, I, I like these short little cards, kind of just talking about Oryx. We're going to see a little bit more just about. Right, like this one just felt like the ramblings. Yeah, it's just we're getting closer to closer to like the Oryx that we see, and it's kind of cool. Yeah, and like you said, it's his thoughts towards yeah. the end. So that I don't have any more of my ramblings. Verse 5, 7. Forever and a blade. I considered returning to Fundament, learning what became of the God Wave and the Tungsten Monoliths and the continents, which were all that remained of my people's primal home. But I know what became of all that. It became me. I am the heir of Fundament, the immortal descendant of those Ten-year krill. I asked a question. How can we live in the universe long enough to understand it? And I learned the answer, which is written here in this book. I learned 
that I had to become most ruthless of all. I don't know where the darkness, which is the deep, came from, nor the traveler that I hunt. But I will learn. I will learn. This is my inheritance, my estate, eternity, infinity, the whole universe beneath my sword. This is what I rule, forever and a blade. More ramblings. But right there, I was just comparing, once again, I just should have just read the cards. I was comparing the darkness and the deep and all that stuff. Bam, I don't know where the darkness, which is the deep, came from, nor the traveler. So, like, yeah. right there, when we talk about the darkness, when that's kind of like our term for that entity. Orcs referring to the deep. It's this kind of the same thing. And then he also says, so it's just interesting. He has no idea where the darkness slash deep came from, nor the traveler. He's trying to figure out, too. I just think it's funny that, um, as you, what you, you say, that they are the herald for the deep, and we're kind of the herald for the sky or the traveler. We're all just kind of in the war between the Traveler and the Darkness. Yeah. Um, and nobody knows where they came from. We might not ever know, to be honest. Um, but it's just kind of crazy. Everyone's still... Even, even Oryx, who has all this knowledge and power, still doesn't know. And he's still trying to figure out where it came from. Um, and while we can see the Traveler, I am really excited if we do finally get, like an identity for the darkness slash deep, whether it's the pyramid ships or whether it's something else. I'm looking forward to getting a little bit more. Cause I, you know what? Because like I said, they, Bungie specifically said that they didn't exactly know what the darkness was, that they were going to take time to, to figure out exactly what it was going to encompass before it came back. And now we're getting a little yeah, snippets of it. So I kind of think that maybe the pyramid ships or whatever is going to come on you know, there's that, that leaked information about the enemies in D3. I think that they might come back with a race that was around before the Hive. Maybe not truly the darkness, but something higher up the food chain. And I, I agree with that. Um, and like, like you were saying, I mean, we have no idea about the darkness. Bungie didn't have anything about the darkness. And I think that's why D2 has been focusing on light. Yeah. You know, focusing on something that's closer to home. That way they can look at the end goal for D3 and go, okay, this is what the deep is. And I think that's why they did it too, because, you know, we've, well, you know, what, what's been happening? We've been surrounded. They had to invent the Traveler, because that's what we saw. They had to focus on that first. Yeah. Still know everything about it, but they expanded on the Traveler. Our Guardians are the light. And now we're looking at, like, with Shinmalfer and. Dredging Yor and all this new stuff. We're looking at experimenting with some of the darkness. That, that bit of gray now. And so I think that continuing on in the story, eventually we're going to go to the other side where we start digging in, learning a lot more about the darkness. So I think it's a good way to handle it. You know, learn about the two sides. And I hope that by the end of it all, we have a good balanced view of what the heck's going on. And, and I mean, looking at Destiny, the franchise as a whole, it makes sense. The original destiny game was kind of like an issue zero where it's all the setup it's getting the major players the major everything out there um d2 has been all about the light and what that means and how we can walk the line between light and dark 
Yeah, exactly. D3, we're going to be walking that line and potentially dipping our toe into the darkness. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really hyped. Yeah. That just got me really distracted. Sorry. Just what you're talking about and the fact that the uh, next part after... Um, <laughs> this book of sorrows in the lore book is the story of Thorn and Last Word. It's just kind of fitting. I'm distracted looking ahead, right? Especially since I'm really thinking about that topic right now because of our episode next week, our upcoming episode. Yeah. But for now, we should finish. All right. I will cover verse five eight. Worm food. What will happen if I die? It suits me to consider this for I am a great ally of death. My daughters study the quiddity of death. My son practices the inhabitation of death. And my great work is, in Ultima, to become synonymous with death, to die and in that dying live, so that if the universe comes to nothing, then I will be a part of that nothing. Far better to have a savage universe with a happy end than a happy universe with no hope. I have died many times, but these deaths were only temporary. If my echoes are killed, and I am killed in the material world, then I will be driven back to my throne, the Dreadnought. If my court and my throne can be beaten, then I am confronted in my throne. If I am defeated there, then I will die. My work will end. This is the pact to which I am bound. In particular, by my study of the Tablets of Ruin, and by my use of the power of the Deep. When I call upon that power, I put myself up as the stakes in a wager. I gamble with my soul. For I am saying, listen, my gods, I am the mightiest thing there is, and I prove it thus. Lately, I have realized how much I depend on Crota and my daughters, and even upon my court. If I lost them, my outlays would exceed my intakes. My tribute would not be enough to feed my worm. But this is proper, for if I lost them, it would be because they were not mighty enough, and then I would be a bad father, a bad king. I must test them and fight with them, to keep them strong. This is my geese. I will go on forever. I will understand everything. There is only one path, and that is the path that you make. But you can make more than one path. Break your cell's bars. Make a new shape. Make the shape from its path. Find your cell's bars. Break out of the bars. Find a shape. Make the shape from its path. Eat the light. Eat the path. If I fail, let me be worm food. All right. This is Oryx describing his death. What would happen that could lead to that? It's fitting because this is exactly what happens. Um, It also helps us to explain why, on the Dreadnought, why we had to do the court of Oryx. Um, You know, why we had to take out Crota and some of the other key elements involved with Oryx, you know, because he says, you know, first of all, if my court and my throne are beaten, 
he's going to get pushed back. Also, if his children are killed, he's not going to have enough food, basically. So what really, what, this describes exactly what we did. You know, we killed Crota. We killed a lot of his, you know, powerful brood who were, were giving him tribute, which brought him to us. He wasn't getting that strength he needed. He had to do the fighting himself. And then we confronted him. We took out his court. We killed him in the material world. We killed his echoes, as he said. Uh, we pushed him back in. And then we went into his throne world, into the Dreadnought, and we killed him there. Which is exactly, which is why we couldn't just go up and fight him. You know, he described exactly what would kill him. And this is exactly what we did. So we would imagine then that Oryx is gone. Um, yeah, we did it also, exactly. It also, it also does explain why he showed up when we killed Crota. Yeah, it wasn't like that he was like a loving father. It was like my baby. No, he 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 had to. Well, because like a, a few episodes ago, we were like, well, why did he come to Crota's? At, you know, to avenge Crota. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't truly to avenge Crota, or you know, to attend his funeral or anything. No, it was strictly because he had to feed his worm. Yeah. We took out enough of his his structure, his hierarchy, that pyramid scheme. We took out enough of that foundation at the bottom that he didn't fill it back in. It was going to, you know, it was going to topple the whole the whole the whole system. So, um, you know, he says then if he fails, let him be worm food. So that's something we don't really know what exactly happened when Oryx died, did his worm die? Um, there's been a lot of speculation, and I won't go into too much, but there's been speculation about how Oryx had himself killed so that he could just have his worm die, but somehow he's free of his worm, still alive, because his body floated off. There's the fact that uh, Oryx floated down into Titan, and that giant worm swimming around in there is Oryx's worm. I've heard so many different like theories and things, but uh, ultimately, as far as we know at this point, Oryx is gone. Yep. We beat him. Um, we followed all the steps required. <clears throat> which, honestly, he doesn't really care about because he wants the final shape. And in the end, we're furthering his goal. Yeah. Um, it also sounded like this entry was actually written before our Guardian came around. Yeah. Because not the f- first or second act, but like the third thing that our guardian, you know, the third major thing our guardian did was kill Crota. Exactly. So, yeah, th- this had to have been written long before our guardian. And so, that's not actually the last card. No, it's not. Do you want to read the last card? Yes. We have verse 5-9. I'll make sure. I have made preparations. If I am defeated, I know it will be because my understanding of the universe was incomplete. I failed to anticipate some strategy, some nemesis, perhaps Teox, if she still lives. If I am defeated, I know that I will fall to something mighty, something that craves might, something that loves what I love, which is the deep, a principle and a power, the versatile, Protean need to adapt and endure, to reach out and shape the universe entirely for that purpose, to mutate and redesign and test and 
iterate so that it can prevail and seize existence and hold it. Certain that this is everything, that there is nothing to life except living. And it has two faces, yet it is one shape. One face is the objective, which is obvious. And the other face is that will to sacrifice things and ideas for a single mission. The mission of becoming the shape. A shape that will not relent. The utter commitment to survival. To draw the right sword and choose where to cut. To allow this hunger to become your weapon. So I will prepare a book which is a map to a weapon, and my vanquisher will read that book, seeking the power, and they will come to understand me, where I have been, and where I am going, and then they will take up my weapon, and they will use it, they will use that weapon, which is all that I am, and armed thus with my past and my future and my present, which is a weapon, a weapon that takes whatever is available, a weapon bound by malice. They will mantle me, Oryx, the taken king. They will become me, and I will become them, each of us defeating the other, correcting the other, alloying ourselves into one omnipotent philosophy. Thus, I will live forever. I'll make sure. So quite literally, he's saying, even if I die, they're going to take my body, turn it into a weapon, and use the weapon, which is still me. I am still killing after death. Yeah. Which, weapon of malice, touch of malice. Yes. So if you haven't played D1, we got a gun called Touch of Malice. And the only way you attain that is through... Um, you have to. One of the steps in getting that thing is to like beat the different aspects of the raid. You have to eventually kill Oryx, um, and there is a little like light ball. It, it's quite literally could be Oryx's life energy fueling that weapon, and it really reminds me of Whisper of the Worm. Um, and the lore behind that one, yeah. And the lore behind that, you know, Zol talks about how every time we kill with that weapon, you know, we're feeding it. In the same way, Oryx says something similar. We have this weapon that he'll continue on. Uh. And if I remember correctly, <clears throat> the thing that we got from Oryx was the ravenous heart. Mm-hmm. I think so. Something like so that. Quite literally, we used his heart to create a weapon. And it's really fitting, the way that weapon works. As that final shot, if you keep firing it, you do a ton of damage. But it hurts you. It reminds me of a worm. You get yep. great power, but you have to feed it. And why that's just a... We might have just thought of that as a weapon. Like, that philosophy, that weapon, is, I think, was supposed to play in the larger story. Now, we might not have taken the mantle when we killed Oryx, but we have a part of him. You know, we can say that we denied Oryx, that we don't fit the description that he mentions as the person who would destroy him. But honestly, in a way, we still do. We might not be servants of the deep, but we follow those principles. You know, our purpose is that of existence. Um, to endure, 
to shape the universe for our purpose. Um, which is to why get more power. Yeah, which is why we might not follow the darkness, but quite honestly, what is the the traveler is has always had a similar goal with different means, you know? Um and so I think the fact that we killed Oryx for our continued existence, I kind of think Oryx won here. I mean, we did do what he wanted. He says that he will make sure. In a way, he did. We killed him. But we kind of fulfilled the sword logic. We got yep. stronger from killing him. We get these weapons through the game that are fueled by our killing. Or, for example, Lumina. I mean, Lumina, the fact that you know we fueled that with light. But we keep getting stronger through our actions and through our understanding which is exactly what Oryx did. If anything, we are the best description of Oryx. We have almost become that great navigator. We are taking on whatever information, whatever power, whatever understanding, and we are balancing it and we are using it to get stronger. You know, that's why Shin says that we are now following that gray. It doesn't matter whether it's darkness, whether it's the light. light. We're using it all. And we're getting stronger. And what that means for us as a character, I look forward to finding out. Um, every, you know, Shin says he thinks we're the Guardian who can, who can balance that perfectly. Because there's so many who have gone down the dark path. You, know, you could argue that Oryx maybe had the right goal, but the Deep took him, <laughs> no pun intended, uh, completely, and you know, he, he couldn't attain that. But we took it, we took that power without taking some of the requirements that held us to it. You know, we were able to use that touch of malice, but put that down. Um, you know, we were able to not put the worm in ourselves, but to have that power for our own. And if you get a chance, I hope you guys can all get the Grimoire Anthology book. It's got a beautiful picture at the end of this. Um, it is literally a guardian standing, holding up, which looks like the ravenous heart which we stick in the touch of malice. Um, so it shows, I mean, it's, it's literally, it's, it's a photo of our, of our guardian walking away victorious, but we still have that power from Oryx. So I think this is a great like, way to move into our next episode for speculation, but just like, keep in mind, man, the, 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 the Destiny universe is always changing. What we think is going to happen Probably isn't. You know, Oryx specifically said right here that anticipation for his death, he was going to write a book, and whoever killed him would read that book. So Oryx quite literally wrote this for us. It is quite biased. He wanted to influence us. We should know that. He tells us that. But yep. in the same way us as players have gained understanding... Likewise, our Guardian got this same understanding. Our Guardian got this book. So this is not one of those, you know, breaking the fourth wall. We know something that the in-game players don't. We got this book. We got this power. We have this information, and we have to decide what we do with it. And that's why I've always appreciated Bungie takes that fine line of still letting you think, you know, that your Guardian is your character. You know, they don't immediately... How do I put this? It's not a game where we just watch our character make choices that we have no influence over, and it's just a story. We're able to, 
we are able to put ourselves into our guardians. And I think the fact that they have drawn it out to be like such like they obviously have to forward the progression of our guardian. But I think the reason that it's like so slow and so small in some of the choices and why there's not always so much detail so that you can like kind of feel this. And that's why I think a lot of people have talked about in D3 will be able to choose between the light and the dark. But I think they're doing a perfect way is where they are convincing us that following that in between, that gray line is the right choice. That it's almost like they are convincing us that the choices that they continue for our character are our own. So I really, really appreciate how they write the story and how it's progressed. And I think they're doing a fantastic job. And I look forward to the future. Oh, absolutely. So I think that's kind of my... I'll hop off my soapbox. That's kind of how, what I have <laughs> for final thoughts on just the, the broader picture. How about you? Uh, no, that, that's, that sums it up perfectly. Like, I'm excited to see where they're going. Because <clears throat> um, this is just Oryx's writings. Who knows? We, we might come up against Shibu Wrath come you know october or you know an agent of savathun and we might get more to dive yeah. into from them yeah you know this book was supposed to be i think guidance from oryx but also like a warning we might not have followed it completely but in some way it has influenced us and i think every encounter we fight gives us a little bit of that and i think that's why the hive and why this shadow keep is going to be so big um the dreaming city was awesome it felt like a change of pace, but I think our like the larger story of Destiny is like tied to like the dark. And excited to see how Shadow Keep expands that. Me too. That's it for me. I honestly am excited to uh, continue reading through this Grimoire book um, because this information now that I'm just kind of just covered this ties in so perfectly to the Last Word, to Shin, to Dredgenor. Uh, so I know over the next week I will be reading this book and then the new lore that came after this book in anticipation for our guest hosting with uh, at least Blue and Green um, at Focus Fire. I'm really excited about that to cover nothing ends. Um, me too. Who knows? It's, I'm not sure what the format is. We might not be as talkative. I'm, we're going to do our best to just kind of lay back and enjoy the ride, but I definitely want to be prepared with as much information and like theory as possible, and we'll see how much they're interested in getting from us. But I'm really excited just to talk with them about some of these things, because if you can't tell, everyone on this podcast has a great love for the lore um, and the game. So it's nice to share that with others. Oh, yeah. And with that being said, uh, yeah, shout-outs. Sh yeah, I think that's kind of my shout-out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um. My shout-out is going to be to uh, Mrs. Hyven. We had a lot of fun on our friendiversary, and I hope she feels better. And it was fun having you there, too, you know, Hyven. But... <laughs> yeah, no love for me, guys. <laughs> but, like, let's, let's, let's be real. It, it was my friendiversary with Mrs. Hyven. <laughs> it's our group friendiversary, because me and you don't remember ours, okay? <laughs> yeah. Mrs. Hyven is yeah. the glue that keeps us together. Not literally, but she does make it a lot more fun. When yeah. she runs off to like go to the bathroom or do something else, me and Elmas just immediately start talking about like the game or lore or the Marvel universe or Star Wars or just 
Disney's monopoly over all cool things. <laughs> but yeah, right. we, we just go down the rabbit hole. So it's really, really nice to have her. So yeah, shout out to our friend anniversary. Your friend anniversary that I tagged along on. It was very fun. <laughs> all right. And that's it. Um, just remember to sh- message us on Twitter at guardians underscore lore. Email us guardians underscore lore at outlook.com. Send us and... some of those theories, guys. Let's make next episode interesting. <laughs> exactly. And on that note, bump, bump, bump. Goodbye. Goodbye. It's recording. It's recording. When aren't I in charge? Uh, when you're not the host, Mother Trucker. Oh, oh my. Hey, I control what you say. Do you, though? Do you really? Just what makes it into the podcast. Well, post saying, but yeah. What you post saying? Because I say a lot that nobody wants me to say. And most of that ends up in the bloopers. (laughs) And in my ears ringing. You're fine. Just kidding. All right, then. Let's do it. Do it, do it. All right, as far as podcast new new goes, wow. I love new goes. (laughs) All right, as far as podcast news goes, there, set it right there. Uh, You'll say it perfect after editing. No, it's going to go in the bloopers. Uh, Uh, brief intro to the topic. <laughs> I didn't have anything. That was just that was it. This is professionalism, Hyven. Professionalism. Ah, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's gonna be a good sound. Why, yada. Oh, right. That that is gonna be amazing. Well, that's the end of that failed timeline. She's just so cute. I'm sorry. I'm distracted. She's in like the littlest patch of sun that's even on the balcony right now. It's so cute. Okay, Elmas looks distracted too, or he's just completely zoning out, waiting for us. <laughs> the latter. Okay, I'm gonna pause. No, I'm good. You can I'm do still... this. I can do this. Still here. You got this. For her though, it's just normal walking. <laughs> Those pillows are just fl- big and flat for her. Right. You're so cute, baby. Yeah. Oh, thanks. But don't call me baby. <laughs> <laughs> Hutch, I wasn't talking about you. I'm talking about Kona. All right, I'll pause, and then I'll re-make that comment. For the third time's the charm. No, fourth time's the charm is the perk. Well, we better mess this up once more. It's <laughs> all right, though. My daughters study the quiddity of death. My son practices the inhibited. Inhibited, inhibited. Inhibit it, 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 it. That's all, folks. <laughs> right.